0: Welcome to Holy Unhappiness, conversations about the expectations we have of what the life of faith will feel like. I'm your host, Amanda held Opelt, author of the book, Holy Unhappiness, God, Goodness, and the Myth of the Blessed Life. Each week... I'll be speaking with writers, pastors, artists, and friends about the myths we believe about the good life. Together, we'll reimagine what blessing can look like if we are willing to look beyond our culture's definition of happiness and success. Welcome. I'm glad you're here. for listening in once again. I'm excited about the podcast today because today we're going to be talking about the blessing of delight. After every three chapters in my book, I insert a little reflection, like a mini chapter of sorts, about a blessing I've discovered that kind of surprised me. These were blessings that emerged after I was willing to lay down this script I was desperately trying to follow to release all the formulas and equations I thought would lead to a happy life. These are the simple graces, mercies, pleasures, and new paths of thinking that helped me find joy again after disappointment and weariness. And today we are going to be talking about delight. Delight about savoring the quiet goodness that surrounds us when we are willing to be fully present. Some call this an attitude of gratitude, and others call it holy hedonism. And I've invited someone along to help me unpack all of this. Rachel Marie Kong is the author of Let There Be Art, She is founder of The Fallow House, and her writing has been featured in Christianity Today, Ecstasis, Proverbs 31 Ministries. She reads truth and encourage. Raised in New York and of African American, Native American, Ramapo-Lenape Nation, Irish and Dutch descent, she holds a degree in English with creative writing and Bible. Rachel writes and lives in North Carolina with her husband and two children. Rachel, I am. (laughs) I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. I've just been like looking forward to this conversation. And um, you and I, I feel like have all these mutual contacts, and we're chatting online a lot. But this is the first time we're actually having like kind of a face to face, albeit it is through the internet, but face to face conversation. So welcome.
1: Yeah, thank you. And listen, I know it's face-to-face over the internet, but I'll take what I can get. I'm I'm really excited about this conversation, Amanda.
0: (laughs) So for our listeners, um, Rachel and I were talking a little bit before we hit record about just some of the, the, we kind of have lived this parallel life in some ways. Like we both went to um, Nyack College in New York, which sadly has recently closed its doors and we're grieving that together. We both lived in North Carolina about the same amount of time. I've lived here a little bit longer than you. And we have two kids almost exactly the same ages. So some similar life experiences, many different life experiences, but I feel like you're a bit of a kindred spirit. I just have that sense. So So, Rachel, let me tell you um, why I asked you (laughs) to talk to me today about delight. So I have this little mini chapter in my book about a third of the way through About this concept, this blessing of delight, and then I talk a little bit about how sometimes we think we can achieve happiness by accumulating all the stuff or the status that society tells us that we need in order to be blessed. But what I have found is that sometimes happiness resides in our ability to just delight in the everyday and delight in the the ordinary things of life, to be present for those small blessings that we sometimes don't even anticipate. And so I found that theme working its way throughout your beautiful book, Let There Be Art. So I would love for you to just start by telling our listeners a little bit about your book, what the mission of your book is, and what led you to write it.
1: Absolutely. Um, Gosh, well, I, I, I always like to start off and say that wasn't even the plan. This book wasn't in the works. It wasn't the idea, you know, I, I was going in a different direction. Um, and even the timeline of my book's publication, I had put a pause on that pursuit. Um, you know, taking it back a couple, three years ago, we were in the middle of the raging pandemic and things were not okay, you know? And so I, um, I took that as a sign to just take a little break and to focus on my family. Um, and long story short, uh, you know, an editor saw a piece of my writing and that turned into, do you have anything? Are you working on anything? And, um, you know, the idea that I had, I shared that and it had since evolved. And it was, I was encouraged, you know, think, think more broadly. What about creativity? Um, And so one of the cool things about that book is here's this area of my life, this, this passion that I had all throughout life for creativity. Um, and here I am now going to be an author and I'm being asked not to just write a book for writers, but to speak into all forms of creativity. And I remember thinking, I can't do that. I, I am not an expert by any means on creativity, on dance, on painting, on, photography. I know writing really well. I went to college, Mm -hmm. Nyack College, and studied writing. That is my skill. That is my craft. How about I stay in my lane? And essentially, I think that invitation for this book was, you know, to write this book for my editor, but also it was an invitation for me to see this thing that brought me so much joy and delight all throughout Mm -hmm. my life in the small, hidden, mundane moments that were not publicized, that were Mm -hmm. not shared with others, but they were just these intimate passions, um, or even just interests. Um, Mm -hmm. And and here I was being asked to write about that. And so, yeah, Let There Be Art was such a journey um, in, in putting that book together, in setting out to say, no, I can speak into these things, not because I'm a professional at all of them, not because I'm some expert, but because I'm passionate about these things. Mm. And I've practiced them um, in those small hidden moments of my life. And so that's essentially what the book, you know, sets out to do is to talk about the invitation that creativity gives us, you know, mm. in, in all seasons of our life.
0: Yeah. You begin um, in the book, you say, um, the truth is that goodness surrounds us to the point that we should be astounded. The problem isn't that we are short of goodness. It's that we don't know how to see it hiding in plain sight. We do not know how to see it. And you go on to say the goodness, goodness is is in all the moments you never thought to note as noteworthy it's in the memories uh, that saved themselves in your soul um quick pause y'all please go buy this book it is so beautifully written <laughs> the prose is just breathtaking like i i so admire the way you use words to convey profound ideas but this idea of of goodness um what do you think it is ultimately that prevents us from seeing the goodness that's all around yeah. us
1: yeah I think, oh my gosh, I mean, we could talk forever about all the different things that prevent us from seeing goodness. But I know specifically when I wrote that chapter, um, and I think I even say this in that chapter, um, but we memorize the the bad by heart. Mm. We have the, the bad memories, the bad stories, the bad experiences memorized by heart, you know, and by Mm -hmm. we, Mm -hmm. obviously I'm talking about myself. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like I can, I can replay the same terrible scenario in my head over and over and over and over again, you know, and our brains just can only hold so much information. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think that, you know, in particular, I mean, again, there's so many different reasons why, you know, um, but I think it, it really is a perspective shift. And so mm-hmm. I think going from constantly thinking about what went wrong, what failed, what we don't have yet, mm-hmm. instead of thinking on those things constantly, like we have an opportunity to think about the beauty that is right in front of us, you know? Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, and that's 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 a verse in Philippians, right? Whatever is good, whatever yeah. is lovely, whatever yes um is of special report like think about these things you know yeah
0: see okay this is why i started this podcast because i needed to talk some of this stuff out like i feel like i'm still sorting out in my brain, how to say this precisely, because this is, this is the thing I struggled with maybe most in the writing of the book is that there's all this conversation happening right now about toxic positivity, right? And not, um, I think we're getting a lot of pushback from the days of like grin and bear it, like our grandparents generation mm. that just pretended everything's fine. They were very duty driven and they ran themselves into the ground. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, (laughs) you know, being,
0: um, faithful to their duties and not complaining and staying positive and, you know, put on a happy face, all of the, you know. All of these things that that we can sometimes get the message that you just need to stay positive and everything will be fine. And I think that's rightly getting some pushback now to say, no, it's okay to name what's hard, it's okay to 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 name your grief and to um to process your grief. And and even the concept of lament, right? Lament is one of the great yes. gifts of the faith to say, you know, we can cry out to God in our pain and i i desperately want to write about that but i think where i've struggled to find that fine line is to say okay how much have we has the pendulum swung too far to the side of kind of just marinating in everything that's wrong and mm. and therefore not being able to notice what is good and it's just got to be this both and we we yeah. operate as either or people you know yeah. either things are bad or things are good when i think th- the harder path is to embrace the both and that life is both beautiful and it's excruciating you know i don't yeah. know how do how do we thread that needle well because i'm struggling
1: <laughs> i yeah i know i totally hear what you're saying and i mean i i literally just finished turning in a manuscript for a book on grief that talks only about the hard things, you know? Ooh, so like, good for you. I, I get it. Like the, I, I am like the number one advocate for like, let's sit in this, let's sit in this for a while. You mm-hmm. know, I'm an Enneagram four. Okay. I can, <laughs> I can hang out there for a while. Um, yeah. But I think you're right. And I think that's where like, you know, our words and yeah, our words can just our words can have power, right? But words can also fall very flat. Um, mm-hmm. And I think this is where prayers and platitudes become really damaging and destructive mm-hmm. is when we're just saying like, well, you can just think about the good things. Like you could just, and it's for someone who is, they're walking through an actual trauma, like their brain mm-hmm. is is not able to just, you know what I mean? Like there's just so many components. So I think that when we can get really, I guess there's different ways to say this, but practical or even clinical um, when it comes to practicing ways to look at what is good and to mm. see the delight, the, the beauty, everything, um, the good things that are around us, you know? And so for, for instance, in my third chapter in let there be art i actually talk a little bit about this in regards to creativity Mm -hmm. and this idea of um when you do have pain in your life like it is hard for the brain to learn something new it is hard Mm -hmm. for the brain to carve out a new path um Mm -hmm. your our brains know how to repeat just repeat, right? We do the same yeah. things on repeat. And that's a good thing. Because if we had to learn how to brush our teeth every single day, mm-hmm. like we would be losing so much time, valuable time for our <laughs> lives, right? So so right. the brain's ability to be able to remember how to do things and to just default, like that's actually a good thing, right? Yes. But then right. when it comes to certain areas of our lives or seasons where it's like, okay, we're doing this default where we're just hanging out in that that bad space and we're not able to see what is good. I think like, you know, understanding, understanding the clinical side of things, mm-hmm. maybe psychology, you know, we can't just, yeah, Bible verses are great, but let's hear from a doctor. Like let's hear from people that understand how the brain works. Right. Yeah. Um, And even, even taking it outside of like the clinical sphere, just when it comes to the day to day, right? Like Mm -hmm. a person is listening to this podcast and they're like, okay, well, I don't have time or resources to go tracking down doctors and reading books on, you know, how do I just do this now? One thing that I love about my, my daily planner, right? Before Mm -hmm. I look at this whole overwhelming list of things that are undone and unfinished and imperfect and just overwhelming is there's a space to make a list for things that I'm grateful for my gratitude list. And I feel like little practices like that, right, where I could very much easily just plow through and ignore and just look at all that's undone, needs to be finished, all that I need to labor over, or I can set aside a time, I can make this a practice, I can make it a ritual, I can make it part of my routine, however, Mm. and I can choose to see what is good. My children have a house over they're, you know, a roof over their heads. We have food on the table. I'm not making the most money, but I have money in my bank account. And that's hard to say, that's hard to do, but it's good.
0: Yeah, I think it's Cole Arthur Riley who writes. Um, in her beautiful Ooh. book, she says something about like um, awe is an. It's something about awe is an exercise that needs to be practiced. Like it, it's a sure. habit that needs to be regularly, um, you know, practiced in order for you to build the muscle to do it. And it's like such a good example. It's like yesterday, beautiful day up here in the mountains, and. We take our girls out blueberry picking, we go swimming in the creeks, like we're eating, you know, we're eating blueberries fresh from the bush, like it's, it's just like the perfect day. And yet my mind is preoccupied with all the, the quote, unquote, big things Mm -hmm. that I need to be doing. My book Mm -hmm. is launching, I have these meetings, like all of these things that kind of are part of this script of my life that if I can do this, well, then I'll be happy. And yet those, those plans is that's encroaching upon my presence in this actually very simply perfect moment? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I just I and and it's like literally having to practice. Uh, I guess exactly what Philippians talks about, like thinking on these things. Like you literally need to get into the habit of setting this aside and thinking on the things that are present in the moment, the beauty that's present in this moment.
1: And that's such an equalizer, right? It's Mm. such an equalizer. And I love that quote that you shared from Riley too, because it's so easy to think, oh, well, that, you know, that person's personality, they are just optimistic. They're just really hopeful. Um, they're just, you know, they're, they're bubbly. They're really excited about life. And, um, and cause I've heard that before and I'm like, people have said that to me and I'm like, hold on, actually. (laughs) I am actually not the most optimistic person, you know, I'm very much the opposite, but there's a practice there and that insinuates that anyone can adapt that. And when you're practicing something, it's not going to be easy and you're all, it's an equalizer. You're all starting at that ground Mm. level of this is hard. It feels weird. It feels awkward. This is unnatural. I don't know how to do this. I need someone yeah. to show me how to do this, to coach me through this,
0: mm-hmm, and you mm-hmm. get to
1: practice that and work it into your life.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's so good. I think for me, one of the aha moments was when I realized, like, it wasn't like the the great tragedies of my life that were stealing my joy, although they they certainly were. Like, there 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 have been some deep real struggles and grief and losses in my life that have encroached upon my joy. But it's more surprising to me when the things I thought were going to make me happy, you know, the the, the job you always hope to get or all the stuff you thought was going to make you happy, yeah. when those things are actually the the things that are robbing you from being present in yeah. in your life and present for these simple blessings that, that, that to me is the, the, the shocking thing that I'm having to kind of rewire in my brain of like, how, yeah. how do I set those things aside to be present here in this moment? You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. 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 No, I, I totally get that. I was, um, you know, everyone was off yesterday for the holiday and, um, we have a community pool because we live in a development. And so we went to the pool, just spent time, just no strings attached, having fun, mm-hmm. And then um, my husband took my kids out. And so I was walking home and I thought to myself, you know, because we're two kids, two adults living in this tiny scrunched in town home in this uh, development. And I am very much like a free bird and I need space and I need (laughs) land and acres. And that is not what I have right now. We don't even have a backyard, you know? And so, but I was walking home from, the pool and i was just like huh this isn't what i wanted but this Mm. is nice we have a pool Mm. we have wild blackberries in our backyard and all these other fruit trees that as you know when i go out and take walks with my son we we find them and it's like but we don't even have a backyard and we're just finding this stuff in our neighborhood and how cool right um yeah but yeah i think it's it's those little moments where you know you could default and say, I don't have that house yet, though. And I don't have that fenced-in yeah. backyard. And Yeah. But what do you have?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because ultimately, if you're not able to notice and be present in the place that you are, even when you get those things, you won't appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Because I have more of the space, but I want the pool... <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, I I have kind of a little bit more of a yard and land, but sometimes it stresses me out because it's got to be mowed and it's got to be weeded, and it's like yeah. I don't even know how to enjoy this really beautiful gift that I have, and all I yeah. want is a pool, like you, yeah. you know, like this is kind of the. The challenge, the conundrum of being human, I think, is the inability to be present in a place. You write this, you have this great quote in your book, you say, poetry and place, they are two words that go together and they cannot be separated. And if you do not know this, then you are forfeiting a certain kind of attention, a certain kind of appreciation that lends a way to art. Poetry finds grounding in place, finds its beginning in the bones of witness, and finds its rhythm in watching that which swells within and all around. Ugh. Again, just a beautiful line there. Like, what is it, do you think, that's kind of um, disembodying us from place these days? Why is it so hard to be present in our skin, you know? Oh, my
1: gosh. This is another one where it's like, I feel like the answers could be so vast for so many people, right? Yeah. I'll start with myself. I know that I I tend to hold ideals in my 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 mind. Um I'm so visionary. I'm such a dreamer. And um it's really hard for me to be present in the present moment when I am always in here in my head. Mm. And I have these visions of this could be better. Um and and it's not even you know it's not even always like I, I can't stand this and I want this to be better. It's it purely sometimes it's just Oh, this could be improved. Like this could, yeah. this could look like this and this could open up to this. And it's like, those are great thoughts. Like being a visionary is a wonderful thing. And that's where advancements come through and novel discoveries, right? But like also my biggest struggle is learning how to be present and, and being yes. thankful for what is in front of me. And, um, and, and not just like physically present, but like all here right? Mm, Not just mm -hmm. like, okay, I'll plop down next to my kids and be physically present. But in my head, I'm going to be mulling over the ideas that I have for X, Y, and Z, you know? And I know for, for other people, like comparison is a huge thing. I wonder if you talk about that in your, your book, but I know Mm. that like, when you're seeing that someone else has this and you don't have that thing, there's, you know, that comparison that comes in. And I know a popular quote that goes around is comparison is the, the thief of joy. Right.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. and
1: so that could be it for someone. Um, I also think this is one that I am like trying to pay attention to in my life. And I want to live culturally like countercultural to this, but mm-hmm. it's this, um, this idea of like the corporate ladder or like that you always yeah. have to be advancing or growing or working or busy or building an empire um And when you're not doing those things, then, you know, what, what are you doing? Like, yeah. what is your life? Yeah. And so I think that there's a restlessness that people have um, of just, we don't know how to be still, period. Yeah. And if we knew how to be still, maybe, then we would, that's a practice, we would learn yeah. how to be able to even look and see what is around us presently. You know, and yeah. then we would then the gratitude would come, you know, so I think that's a huge thing. And I'm very much trying to be aware into the, of that as I tap into just some of my personal roots, my, you know, my heritage and whatnot. Yeah. So, yeah, those are a few. I mean, I think there's so many. Yeah. Other.
0: Well, and the internet like makes it so hard because it's so e- – like before you compared yourself to your literal neighbor because <laughs> that's what you had visibility mm. on. Mm-hmm. And now you have literally any everyone in the world – You could have visibility on what they're accomplishing and what they're accumulating. And it just it means that there's this constant like Rolodex in your mind of all that you could Mm. have or you should have and what you should be doing and should be accomplishing. I feel kind of weird because I don't like have a job really in August. Like my book will come out and then I don't I don't have any plans for what's next. And it feels kind of weird because I feel this internal pressure to be like, no, no, you should be planning for what will help your career grow and help you to advance and help you to get more follower and like, grow, 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 grow when all I really want is just to do something that gives me time to play in the snow in January. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, in my soul, all I want is just to like eat blueberry pies and play in the snow. Yeah. <laughs> and like, listen to the crickets. And like, what what is it that I need to do to be able to make that happen? Because oh, yeah. I'm just so weary of the accomplishment rat race, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm not, I don't even feel like I'm human in my life anymore.
1: Oh, I don't no, know. I, I totally get that, that we didn't even know this, but that's something that we're also running parallel in is just, it sounds like a very se- similar season that I'm in. And I, I often find that when I, when I feel that, that um, angst kind of rising up in me, it's because mm-hmm. I'm feeling like I need to respond to the cultural expectations of you're supposed Mm. to be growing. You're supposed to be advancing. You're supposed to, if you were here a year ago, then by next year, you need to be here, you know, and, and I, I don't want to listen to that voice and I don't want to heed that. And I, I want to play, I want to be present with my children. And, um, yeah, I think that is that is that is a huge one. Right. And, and it's scary to, to, um, to live into that. Right. Because then, Mm -hmm your, your daily living with, like, one of the things that I have to live with, because I'm choosing that path is, okay, the little bit of work that I'm doing right now is enough to kind of sometimes pay the bills, but (laughs) that definitely not enough to get the extra things that I would like. And making that sacrifice, it's like, am I going to keep choosing that? And in return, I get the time and the space and the, you know, moments to breathe or do I trade yeah. that in? Yeah. Go into that, you know, let me build an empire for myself. And not to say that that's bad, you know, not, not all jobs are bad. And just cause you're working, you know, corporate job or yes. those things are not bad. Um, yeah. but I think it's just that issue of like, what call are we responding to? You yeah. Know, and why? So.
0: Yeah. And do we know our limits in it? And, and this yeah. is where like maybe every like weary millennial has connected so well with the book of Ecclesiastes and Kohelet and him mm-hmm. saying like, yep, I tried to accumulate all this stuff for myself. I tried all these accomplishments. I tried growing in wisdom and knowledge. But at the end of the day, like, let me tell you what's good. It's really good to like eat, drink and be merry. Like, it's really good to just enjoy the fruit of your labor when you can like, that that is pleasing to the Lord. And there's a season for everything. And that's where I think this idea of there's really something to this idea of holy hedonism. And I know other writers have written like holy hedonism is just enjoying the glory of the Lord and like fully absorbing the glory of the Lord. But I think it's also like, Enjoying the taste of an apple, yeah, <laughs> like, like enjoying a sunset and enjoying like what you know, whatever like kind of physical pleasure that God has so generously given us to to be had. Not not plundering it, not not taking it in a, in a way that is is harmful for us or for others. But like truly enjoying it for what it's meant to be enjoyed yeah. for. Like there, that is maybe better <laughs> yeah. than like building. A kingdom for ourselves of of professional accomplishments you know what i mean
1: right right and it might be hidden and it might take a long time for you to even uh i don't know to to really embrace that practice and find joy in it like it it might not be something that's immediate and i think that's what um is so, can often deter people from choosing yeah. that. But also that's what makes it so good is like, it yeah. is such hard work. And in the midst of that, you are growing.
0: Yeah, yeah. You talk a lot in your book about the importance of play and of fairy tales and imagination. Why, why do you think some Christians are kind of suspicious of these things? You know what I mean? Like they, they don't see them as important or they fail to see the holiness in them. Why do you think that is?
1: Yeah, I think... Listen. I think there's just we we have this sense of urgency built into mm-hmm. um, the faith that we that we hinge our lives on. Right? Like mm-hmm. we have this understanding that life is not guaranteed for tomorrow. Right? right. And so there is a seriousness, a weightiness to that realization, and um, and I think that's you know we want to take our mission serious. We want yeah. people to be saved. We want lives to, we want people to experience joy while they're here on mm. earth and to know fellowship with God. Right. Um And so sometimes it can come off as, well, these other things are frivolous, you know, writing stories or play. Mm. Um, I think that's one, one, one thing. I think another is just, again, what we were saying before this idea of like there's this restlessness of um well if i don't do this like um then you know what i'm trying to accomplish over here isn't going to get done and so mm-hmm. i think that can even be in the name of of god it's like yeah. well if i i need to i need to break my back so that yeah. these people are served or so that these people are saved and it, mm-hmm. really it's like oh my gosh like you are not a savior you are a human you are not a machine you are a human and so and you need to rest and you need we all need different ways where we can hear the truth and see the truth and it's not all going to come through sermons um Mm. and so how else can we see that truth or you know be enlightened to god's love for us well stories jesus told stories you know um yeah i mean there's just there's so much i I have to say about play too. I think us adults, we just, we just don't have time for it. We don't make time for it. We think we, we place so many other things on the table of importance and that just is not one of them, you know? Mm. And I think, I hope that we, our generation can kind of change that around, right? As we make the choices to, uh, to Sabbath and to rest and to enjoy those blueberries or those blackberries, you know, mm-hmm. when you're with your kids and you're like, I'm going to be present. I'm choosing not only to turn my email off, but to turn my mind off to the oh, thoughts yes. that are, you know, because it's it's yes. really if you're going to practice it, you've got to you've got to do it all. Yeah, and so yeah. um, and then we end up, te- you know, you end up showing that to your kids. You end up teaching them. So what do you want them to learn? Do you want them to see that you're always preoccupied yeah. and that you know, what you do on your computer is more important than um, what's taking place at the dinner table. Like, oh, uh, yeah. uh, it's so hard,
0: right? Yeah, but. it is. It is. And I, I think I, I don't know, I was raised in kind of like, the late 90s, like the evangelical movement. It was like kind of the heyday of the apologetics movement and like teaching youth how to defend their faith and like turn over the tables and like be present in the marketplace of ideas. But if you look at the life of Jesus, he spent as much or more time sitting at tables, enjoying people's company, enjoying food, enjoying drink, as he did turning over tables, like he always his mission was ever before him, but he was fully human in the beauty of his life. And he was out fishing and hanging out with friends and, and bringing the gospel to those places. And I, I think that, yeah, there's just something really beautiful to be said about. Yeah, being present in all of those moments and seeing them all as holy, not just the quote unquote moments of ministry or impact or or whatever. Like that's, we were talking about this.
1: We were talking about this earlier, just about Nyack college closing Mm -hmm. down and um, you know, how this is kind of reflecting a greater issue that's going on with Christian colleges. They're just losing funding, losing money, losing Mm -hmm. enrollment. Um, And one of the things that I talked about with my husband, who's also a graduate of the same school is like, I was like, you know, maybe we all need to go to these secular colleges anyway. Like I I just, what are we doing in our little, you know, we're just always finding these little pockets. It's even happening on social media where just believers are kind of congregate together always, which is so important. So important. But I'm like, maybe this will send more people out where they need to be in the real world yeah. with real people and talking yeah. about real things and yeah um yeah. and thereby you know sharing their faith when it's time and right you know like naturally so yeah. i don't know i i have so many thoughts when it comes to like yeah fiction fairy tales and the secular versus the non-secular Um, Madeline Langle writes a lot about this in her book, Walking on Water, too, and just raises really good questions and really good points about um, how do we show up in the world? Yes.
0: Yeah. Like what would happen if Christians were to show up in these places that are maybe void of the knowledge of God with the fullness of our joy and the fullness of our pain, like the authenticity of our pain and also the authenticity of our delight? like. I I write about that a little bit in our, in my book It's like, what if that was the greatest apologetic we brought to the world is like being kind of fully, fully present in both of those spaces and saying, God meets us here. He meets us in our delight. He meets us in our pain. He meets us in our lament. He meets us in our joy. How would that maybe change the world? How convincing would that be maybe rather than like a logical argument?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I like that point so Um, much. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Maybe. I mean, we're all working towards it, right? Like, but right now, I just need to really practice being present with my child while she's playing with marbles, like... that's hard enough. (laughs) That's (laughs) That's where I'm, that's where I'm starting. Okay. I promised myself I would keep this conversation to 30 minutes. I knew it would be especially tough today. So I want to close with just one more question if you're, if you're willing. Um, And that is like, as I guess, as you've grown in your walk with the Lord and in your journey of faith, how has your understanding of happiness and blessing changed or evolved? Mm.
1: That's such a good question. Mm. Oh gosh. I, i think i think one thing that i'm learning trying to learn or relearn is just like the fellowship of the lord um Mm. and so like above uh above accomplishing something and then feeling a sense of joy like oh i did this good thing for the lord or Mm. i did this good thing in the name of my faith um I was a part, I was a part of like this person experiencing this. Like I'm, I'm wanting to instead first, maybe only, but maybe not only, but first like find joy, find happiness in the understanding that I belong to the Lord and that Mm. like just his fellowship with me, it's not conditional based on what I've accomplished, what I can't accomplish. Mm. Um, if that makes sense, and and practically speaking, like what that what that's looking like in this season is a lot of time spent in nature, a lot of time um, experiencing God's presence through nature and and seeing yeah. His qualities and and remembering who He is and seeing the truth of who He is that He is faithful, just as the sunrise comes every mm. every single morning, right? Like He is yeah. He is faithful just like that. And so I don't know if that answers the question. Yeah, that's for sure where this uh, former people pleaser is, Hmm. is finding happiness.
0: Gosh, and isn't that the great unlie we are all trying to unravel ourselves from is that your, your blessedness, your happiness depends on what you can accomplish for God. Mm -hmm. And when it's already been like that intimacy of relationship that belonging has already been accomplished like yeah that's so hard to truly believe yeah <laughs> and yet it's it's true and and a great way to close our conversation we could talk for hours but um thank you so much where can people find you if they're looking to read and learn more from you sure
1: yeah they can find all things on my website which is www.rachelmariekong.com And I mostly hang out on Instagram so they can also find me there at Rachel Marie.
0: Rachel, thanks so much for, um, for being on the podcast. And I'm looking forward to making that coffee date in Charlotte happen soon. Yes, let's do it. (laughs) I'd like to close today with a poem by Wendell Berry called Whatever is Foreseen in Joy. Whatever is foreseen in joy Must be lived out from day to day. Vision held open in the dark By our ten thousand days of work. Harvest will fill the barn, For that the hand must ache, The face must sweat. And yet no leaf or grain Is filled by work of ours. The field is tilled and left to grace that we may reap, great work is done while we're asleep. When we work well, a Sabbath mood rests on our day and finds it good. Thank you for joining us. Next week, we'll be talking about calling and vocation.